0: Hey, there we are. Okay. So let's read 2 Kings chapter 5 together. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter To the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand all over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Phapa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like that of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, Please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth, for from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said to him, Go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I'm going to run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, all is well. My master has sent me to say that have now just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. When he came to the hill, He took them from their hand and put them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. So in rugby, uh, they've got this concept called a hospital pass. So a hospital pass is where you're there with the ball, and you see your teammate who's just about to get clattered by a whole bunch of big fellas. So you toss him the ball, and as he catches it, he just goes wham! Wham! That's kind of how I felt on Friday when Lucas said to me, can you please summarize eight hours of teaching into 10 minutes? Um, And then he he saw the look on my face, right? And he goes, 10 minutes, maybe you can have 15. So five minutes extra, thanks, Lucas. That's great. Um, So it's okay, because I cheated. I'm cheating. You see, after 4.12 finished, There was a lot that had been imparted into us, but then what had been imparted was there, but then we parted, and we came here. But the best thing about 4.12 is that the Word of God and the Spirit of God go with us. They didn't stay on that field in Malmesbury. They're here, and they're here this morning. And so the thing is, the story of Naaman, I think, is actually a summary of 4.12, (laughs) So Naaman is what I want to leave you with, so you can help remember the incredible things we were taught in 4.12. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to show you how the story of Naaman is the story of 4.12. So to start with, at the conference, we had Jonathan Stanfield. He spoke to us about how God commands a blessing, but that we have to be in a position to receive God's blessing. Naaman knew this. Because he knew that to get the blessing that he needed, he had to change his position. He had to travel to Samaria. He, he, had, a, um, uh, he had a lot of favor. He had high favor. He had a lot of things that had been um, credited to him. The rabbinic tradition in, in, in Jewish tradition is that he was the archer that had shot King Ahab. And so that's why the Syrians had had the victory through him. So he had a lot of things, but he had leprosy. He knew that to be in God's blessing, he had to change his position. So he traveled to Samaria. Secondly, we heard Andrew Selley speaking of how we have been corrupted by the devil. What is beautiful to God can often seem ugly to us. And one of the things that Andrew spoke on specifically was the concept of humility. Now, when Naaman was told to go wash in the Jordan, he wasn't a happy chappy. And the main reason he wasn't a happy chappy is because he was a proud man. He was a warrior. And yet Elisha didn't even come and speak to him in person. He sent a messenger. And he was like, you're sending me a messenger. You're not even speaking to me. And you're telling me to wash in these dirty rivers. The rivers back home are much cleaner. They probably were. But you see, for Naaman, thankfully, his his servants persuaded him to to take a dip in the river. The healing wasn't in the water. The healing was in the humbling as he went into the water. That was what God knew was beautiful, was the humbling. Day one finished with Hannes van der And he shared his testimony of bringing his sin, the disease of the soul, into the light now naaman was a leper normally as a leper you would try and cover yourself up from tip to toe you would try and hide the disease that you carried because it was a skin disease and uh, we don't know but it's possible that naaman being a warrior may have worn his armor or battle clothes or something he would have tried to display a show of strength to hide his own weakness but when the time came for him to humble himself and go into the water, he would have had to have stripped off his clothes and stand naked. And he had to go into that water with everything bared. And this is what we need to do. And as Hannah spoke to us and talked to us about how we actually need to confess and reveal our ugliness to God, to others, to be accountable, and throw ourselves into the river of God's grace so that it can wash over us, cleanse us, forgive us, and make us new. Day two started with Brad Verena talking about running for God. Uh, He talked about how we have to have a realization of God's grace and how the realization of God's grace will change the way we are. We have to move from feelings into faith, from the altar into action from the healing to the hard work. Some days, we might not feel like it. (laughs) It might be tiring, but we have to be steadfast. Naaman didn't go straight home after getting his healing. He actually returned to Elisha and honored him. He tried to give him gifts because Naaman knew that healing requires a response. And it's exactly the same for us. When God does a work in us, it requires us to respond to him with our lives so that we can run for that eternal prize. Next, we had Ashley Gabriel, who spoke about bringing the generations together, about how Apollos needed a Priscilla and Aquila to train him. And we all stood up and Uh, The younger generation prayed for the older generation and committed to submit their passion to the older generation. The older generation then prayed for the younger generation and promised to impart wisdom and to guide them. And it was a beautiful moment. Naaman knew he needed the wisdom of Elisha. Because there were things that he didn't know how his conscience could approach. So before he left Elisha, he said, please, can you help me with something? He knew he needed Elisha's wisdom, and Elisha was able to share that with him and ensure that Naaman could walk with a clear conscience. Last up on day two, we had Ewan McRae, who told us about the wounded bride and the splintered saint. He reminded us about how we've all hurt people, and we've all been hurt. That's what sinful people do. After Naaman leaves, Elisha's servant Gehazi thinks that uh, Naaman got off a bit lightly. So without speaking to Elisha, he rebels. He runs off after Naaman and he says, hey, give me some of that leka loot. And he goes and gets a bunch of stuff and he, he brings it back. And then he compounds his rebellion, he compounds his sin by then lying to Elisha about what he was doing. There should have been a beautiful unity of purpose between Elisha and his servant Gehazi. But instead, it had been broken. There was division, a breakdown of trust. Gehazi gets leprosy instead, and that's a visual representation of the sin that separates us. There's a lesson here in how we need to live open lives with each other, quick to forgive, quick to show compassion, fighting for each other, not against each other, so that we can be preserving the bonds of unity. The last day started with Andrew Selley who challenged our concepts of unity in the church. He explained that sometimes what we think of as unity is actually just people overlooking division. (laughs) And sometimes real unity is messy. And it can get messy. Um, Gehazi certainly wasn't on the same uh, page as Elisha. That was a pretty messy situation. But here's the interesting thing. (laughs) Gehazi left Elisha's presence, and he had leprosy, which is a picture of division, because, you know, leprosy is a contagious disease. Three chapters later in 2 Kings, we see Gehazi again. Now, we don't know exactly what happened in those three chapters in terms of timeline. We don't know if Gehazi repented and was restored. We don't quite know. But I want you to listen to what Gehazi says about Elisha. This is uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 4 to 5. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, here is the woman, and here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Gahazi is honoring Elisha. Gehazi is singing his praises. There is a unity when we work together for God. Lastly, at the conference, we had Ryan Kingsley who taught us about building well. He explained to us about how shooting stars are great, but we need rocks in the church. We need people who are going to lay biblical foundations. And be faithful because none of us are the complete package and we need each other. As an illustration of that, just take a a moment to think about the story of Naaman's healing. How many people were involved in Naaman's healing? You might say, oh, it's Elisha, right? Elisha was there. Okay, well, hang on. Firstly, the story started with a young Israelite girl who, even if not by choice, she was a voice to the nations. <laughs> so the little Israelite girl says, hey, to Naaman's wife. I don't know what her name was. Let's call her Deirdre. Deirdre. listen, your husband has leprosy. I know a dude, paraphrase. I know a guy who can heal him. Naaman's wife then took that message and spoke to her husband and encouraged him to go. So Naaman's wife had a part to play. Then Naaman went to the king of Syria Now, the king of Syria could have said no, but he didn't. He said, okay, go, and I will send a letter with you. Then we see the king of Israel. And the king of Israel knew that he was called to lead, but he wasn't called to heal. Then we have Elisha who hears about it and summons Naaman to find his healing. And interestingly, (laughs) it was actually Elisha's messenger. (laughs) He came and brought the message of healing. The point is this. Every single one of those people in, the, in that story were not the complete package. They all had their part to play to help Naaman find his healing. This is the message of 4.12, that we're called to a purpose. There are people, ourselves and others, that need healing. There are people that need to bear themselves and wash themselves in the river of God's grace. And each and every person here, we can play our part in that story to actually bring people to the place where they can just let go of their burdens at the foot of the cross.
1: Just aware of time, so I'll probably just land it. Um, but that was excellent, Dan. Um, I just felt the Lord gave me this scripture, James uh, 1, 21. And I think for most of us, uh, we received a strong word from the Lord uh, during the 412 time. And um, just as Naaman received, uh, just, you can leave it up, uh, Shani, thanks. Just as Naaman received a strong word from the Lord, and I feel like the thing about the word of God is it's often received well under the anointing, but we know that it's got power to cut, that it's like a double-edged sword. And I'll tell you what it's cutting, it's cutting our flesh, And um, one of the the challenges for us is we receive the word under the anointing at the 412 conference, and we receive it well. But we know that the devil wants to steal it because he's afraid of what it will do in you, and afraid of what it will do through you to others. And the Lord wants us to sit under that word. We just felt as an eldership team, the Lord wants you to sit under the word that you received at the 412 conference. Sit under it for a while. Um, it's, it's not just a moment that's passing. The Lord wants to massage deep things that he, that he spoke through you. And this is the interesting thing. I spoke to people and I said, what did the Lord say to you? And, and, and more than one person said this, I don't even know. I just know something happened. Did anyone else feel like that? You just know that something happened. And you can't, it's not like something happened here. It's like something happened here. And, the, and that was the thing with Naaman, is Naaman was trying to process that word that he received here, and the Lord actually wanted him to process it here. And this scripture here says the challenge for Naaman was, was to uh, receive with meekness the implanted word. The, uh, the NRV, the next one says, um, uh, um, humbly accept the word planted in you. And that was the challenge for Naaman is, is, is he, just, he didn't want to humbly accept that word that was planted in him, that he should be baptized in the River Jordan. And the Lord is saying to us that we need to humbly accept the word. And go, go back to those words that you received at the 412 conference. Write them down. Don't let the moment pass. For others of you, those words are sitting there, and you've got to let them to continue to cut you to divide between um, flesh and spirit. And there's a part of you that doesn't want that to happen. And the first part of that scripture says, and this is another thing that we felt as an eldership team, it says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. There's so many things that wants to come steal away that word or, or choke it. And the Lord is call, calling us to holy lives. I know one of the guys is going to be preaching on holy lives too. You've received the word strongly. Let it continue to work, but then also don't, let's not go back to what we were in before, before the Lord spoke, because the Lord spoke, when the, when, when the word speaks, it's cutting something off, let that thing get cut off, but don't, let's not go back to our filth, let's not go back to, if the Lord has adjusted you, stay in that place, amen, and if you do, that breakthrough, that Naaman eventually, and it was a process for Naaman, you know, and it's going to be a process for many of us,